affords the rich man and Lazarus. And that is part two of that. I would like us to turn to the book of Luke now and look at Luke 16. Just turn your Bible to the book of Luke chapter 16. Alright, praise the Lord. Luke 16, let's look at verse um, 22. So the last week that we're going to be dealing with verses of this parable. And don't forget it's a parable. Luke 16 verse 22, the Bible says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Praise the Lord. We want to find out what this really means. Was it that these two people we are literally buried or so. But there is something we need to observe here. One was buried, one was carried. I don't know if you observed that. Praise the Lord. The beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. One was buried, one was carried. So they did not experience the same thing. Or they were not found in the same location. They never had the same ministration given unto them on the other side of the curtain. Praise the Lord. Now, just look at the outline. The beggar died. What does this mean? It is easy to understand that death is a state of transition from one level of life to another. Is it clear? Death is not necessarily cessation, but a transition from one state of existence to another state of existence or life. So, we see both of them died. It simply means they died so certain things. Praise the living God. Uh, just like you can find the Bible says you are dead in your life you did with Christ in God. You are dead means you cease existing in one level of life and you are moved to another level of life. Praise the Lord. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Right. To die, scripturally speaking, though we can find a place where our physical death, but in the true sense of it, to die means you cease existing in one level of life and you are transformed or translated to another level of life. So, basically, death, the way we see it, is not the way it is. By implication, when people say somebody died, in the true sense of it, it transisted. It's a transition from one life to another life. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay. We will see this more clearly with the death of the rich man first. Now to say the rich man died means this class of people. Now, how many of you can remember who the rich man is? Last week we defined rich man to be the Judaized or the the the, the, the the community of Judah or the nature of Judah, the Jewish people. Amen. Praise the living God. Aha. Uh -huh. We're talking about the Jewish people. Now let me also reiterate this fact that uh first of all, Abraham is not a Jew. I'm 
sure you know that Abraham is not a Jew because it was the child of Abraham or the grandchild of Abraham that is called Judah. And those who belong to that community are the people they call Jewish people. Amen. So Abraham is not a Jew. That's the first thing you need to understand that. Now we are dealing with the Jewish people. These are the people that are the tribe of Judah who came up and have the nation. And they were the people that were endowed with the priestly office and they have all the wealth and all the inheritance of Abraham and the riches and the glory of the covenant and the promises that were made to Abraham. Amen, somebody? We said that last week. Okay, now we move on. So we said when the rich man died, this class of people with their power and dominion nationally and officially as a hierarchy died and his power departed. Amen. They lose their glory. They lose their dominion. That thing that made them to be too big and too high was kind of taken away from them. So they died. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Alright. Now the kingdom glory they were experiencing was taken from them and given to another nation or other nations. Look at it. Jesus speak or speaking to the Jews of his day says, I would like you to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 21 verse 43 chapter 8 and verse 12. Let's look at that so that you can understand what I'm trying to say here. Matthew 21 verse 43. Are you there? The word says, Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruit thereof. Did you get that? Did you find that in your Bible? Okay. Now verse 12 of Matthew chapter 8. But, excuse me, but the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Who are the children of the kingdom? He wasn't talking to you this time around. Hallelujah. He was addressing the people to whom pertained the kingdom as at that time. And right here he told us the kingdom shall be taken from you. He is addressing the children of the kingdom. And these are the Jews. He said the kingdom shall be taken from you and given to a people that shall bring forth the fruits. Are you understanding it? Now, he offered what I would say the children of the kingdom shall be cast into what? Out of darkness, they have a gnashing of teeth, weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what do you find in the hell they were describing? As a weeping and a gnashing of teeth. Hallelujah. Are you understand what I'm saying there? So when we say the Jew or the rich man died, we are simply saying the kingdom was taken away from them. They lose the power, they lose the dominion, they lose the authority, they lose everything that made them to be so proud among all nations. And the Bible says, God is going to take this kingdom and give it to the people that shall bring forth wealth, the fruits. That means other nations are not going to enter into the inheritance of Abraham. Hallelujah. Other people are not going to come to the place of that dominion, that place of glory, which the Jewish people were experiencing exclusively as at that time. So, in relation to other nations, they are not going to come to that place. Other nations that the Gentile nations are not going to come into. Remember what we said before. When that woman came and said, uh, the dog will eat of the crumbs that falls from the rich man's table. Are you understanding that now? Now you see the dogs are not going to come to the place of the table. No longer eating crumbs. 
While those who are sitting on the table may actually go down and begin to eat crumbs. So it's going to be a change of states of existence within these two nations, the Gentile nations and the Jewish nations. Are you following this? Praise the Lord. Okay. Therefore, we can see that the Jewish nation with its priestly office, with the righteousness of the law, and pride of place in Abraham's covenant died to the kingdom. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you why it is connected to Abraham. Because as we progress, you are going to discover that the Jewish people believe that Abraham is our father. Okay? Praise the living God. And that will make you see exactly what it means to be in Abraham's bosom. They believe that Abraham is your father. So this kingdom, the glory, and all the officiating thing that was given to them, the righteousness of the Lord which they had, everything was taken away from them. I was not transferred to other people. They can bring forth the fruits. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, Paul puts it this way. I would like us to go back there. Uh, it's important. We'll look at it from the book of Romans chapter 7, please. We touched that briefly last week. Romans 7, let's look at it from verse 1. Are you there? Know ye not therefore, I'm a brethren, that, I mean, for I speak to them that know the law. Hallelujah. I speak to them that know the law. How that the law had dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which had an husband is bound by the law to her husband. Hallelujah. So long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also, he's addressing the people now, are become what? Dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we shall bring forth what? Fruit unto God. Now you find that what God is ever looking for in his kingdom is nothing but what? Fruit. Hallelujah. Now he's not saying we have to be married to another man. He was addressing the Jewish people. And he said, that order to which you were operating before is dead. The law was supposed to be your husband. You were supposed to be a bride unto it, if you, if, if, if you will. But that husband of yours is dead. There is another man now who is raised from the dead to whom you are supposed to be married to. And that is who? Jesus Christ. Praise the living God. Amen. Now it's expected to know this, that the Jewish people cannot function or manifest any power or glory without the law. It was the law that gave them the preeminence. It was the law that gave them the power. It was because they were officiating based on the law that they had all the authority they had and the dominion they had. Praise the living God. Are you following this? Okay. But now that the law is dead, they must also lose what? Their power. What gave them significance was taken away. Which is the law. Because everything was based on the righteousness of the law. Now that thing was taken away, so the law was dead. Now if the law was dead, 
And they were tied to the law. It also means they were what? Dead. Do you understand that? Praise the living God. Aha. Uh-huh. The Jewish order, everything, I mean the priestly order could no longer function. That means they died. Because the law with which they were functioning have been taken away, have been replaced. And because that is so, it means they can no longer exercise power. They cannot exercise dominion. So they are dead. Praise the living God. How many of you have heard or seen some people sometime past who lived well and at a stage in life they find that nothing much is coming out of their life and people want to talk about them? What would they say? Say, leave that guy. That man is dead. He's finished. Is that what you say? But not necessarily that he's buried anywhere. But it does that. The glory he had before is gone. Praise the living God. Are you following this? Okay. So here we find that the Jewish nation died because the Lord with which they were operating equally did what? Died. And so they died. So the rich man died. The glory of the riches that was in that covenant all died. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So here Apostle Paul was declaring that the law system, who was supposed to be a type of husband to the Jewish religious nation, was what? Was dead. Now, they ought to be married to another husband, and that is who? Christ. Get it? This is the same thing Jesus was trying to explain to the Pharisees in Luke 16 and verse 18. You remember that we did that last week? You were talking about Mormon from Mormon, he jumped to when man married, the man that is put away and the rest of those things. Can you remember the story? Okay. So precisely that's what we are talking about. Paul said the same thing. Jesus said the same thing. The Jewish people died because their system was gone. They have no power. They have no dominion anymore. Uh, of course, we still see people practicing Judaism today. But in the true sense of it, no, that ought not to be so. And that is because blindness has happened to Israel for a season. Until the fullness of the Gentiles becoming. We find at the end of the day that until Gentiles all receive their salvation, those who are practicing Judaism cannot come out of that because God allowed His blindness to come upon them. It's a mystery. And that is one of the major reasons why ultimately we don't even need to blame anybody yet because we find that blindness is happening to the people in part. Praise the living God. These are supposed to be Jewish traits that have Abraham to their father. But up to this moment, that's why the father Galatians 3 tells us precisely that we are Abraham's children by faith in Christ. Are you getting that? These same people, through, from which roots Jesus came, because he came out of the tribe of Judah. Up to this moment, they not believe in him. And that is not because of their own thinking or wishful thinking. It's not because they just on their own are trying to reject him. It's not because blindness has happened to them. For a season. Hallelujah. Until the fullness of the Gentiles be coming. That the Bible said, then all Israel shall be what? Shall be saved. Praise the living God. And so there's sometimes when we are preaching, we need to begin to put into consideration some of these things. Even in the life of people, sometimes those around us. We need to put some of these things into consideration. Because it is by grace that you are what? You are saved. It is God that gives you the grace. The grace of God, the Bible says, leadeth thee to what? To repentance. It is grace that made us begin to understand the mysteries of God's kingdom. Praise the Lord. So we also need to pray for grace to be able to accommodate and humble ourselves to understand that this is not by might. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, this is the same thing we said that Jesus said when speaking to the Pharisees. So what are we saying? The rich man was dead and buried. Means the Jewish nation or the Jewish church is now dead. Though they were once exalted to heaven, 
But now they are cast down to what? To hell. Praise the living God. Are you understanding that? Because in Matthew chapter 4, I mean chapter, what do we say? Chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus have already said that. The children of the kingdom shall be cast into a outer darkness. They shall be gnashing and wailing of teeth, whatever it is. Amen? Now, what else is out of darkness in that context? It's simply talking about where it's going to take them to. It's going to take them out of the riches and the glory and the power that we experience into something else. Hallelujah. And there's a reason for that as well. Okay. So they were cast into outer darkness or cast into Hades. So here we can see therefore that death here speaks of loss of power and what? Identity. It's not because somebody stopped breathing. That is what Jesus was dealing with. Hallelujah. Amen? Not because somebody stopped breathing. No, that is not it. Okay. So I want you to understand the context and I want you to see the picture that Jesus is painting. And when you begin to understand that, then we know actually that here he's speaking figuratively. He's not dealing with just particular individuals that existed or that shall exist sometime to come. He's not dealing with that. He's speaking to a people who had an understanding of what he was saying because they knew some of the languages that he was making use of. Amen? Praise the living God. I just pray that God will give us understanding and my fellow ministers so that we can take more time to study God's word and get an understanding for our people. Because otherwise, we find that we'll be walking in ignorance though we claim to be believers. You know, in any case, God deals with us based on the level of revelation that he has given unto us. But of a truth as well, you see, the full revelation is given unto us as of now. It is left for the individuals to dig out and to be able to find out what God is saying. Or else be relaxed with whatever thing they have and feel glorified in that. But that is not going to take us to the full measure of God's glory. That is not going to bring us to the place where we become instructors at the end of the day. To nations, to kingdoms, to dominions and to powers. Because I see expressly as I study the word of God that God is going to raise the people and empower them and they are going to become instructors to other nations. When God was speaking to the apostles and said, I'm going to make you uh, a head of the head of the trade tribe of Israel, it was specific. And when God is also making the people to say, those who rose first, the resurrection people, they are going to be teaching other people. It is also very specific. A time comes in creation that those who have actually attained to the place of full knowledge of God shall be made to stand on a higher platform to instruct other people. Because everybody must come to the Lord. So we are talking about graduates who come out of this school of God's ministry. To begin to instruct other people. Amen somebody? That's why there's a need for you to take time to study God's word. Because it's much more interested in what you know. And how it's going to affect you to minister to other people at the end of the day. Praise the living God. Alright. And the beggar died and was carried by angels into, or into Abraham's bosom. And like we said, there's a difference between being buried. When you bury, you cease from existence. So to say. Hallelujah. But this man was not buried. Beggar was not buried. Beggar was carried. Hallelujah. So I want us to know that and it's very important in our understanding. So what was the death of the beggar and where is Abraham's bosom? First of all, the Pharisees thought that there were three faces to it. The Pharisees themselves, this is what they believed. One, Abraham's bosom. Two, under the throne of glory. 
victory in the garden of Eden or paradise. Let me give you a secret here. If you really want to take time to study, those of you who are interested, get one Bible called Bollinger's Bible. You're going to find a lot of things that I dig out. It's a big book, but you need it if you really want to be a good student of the Bible. Praise the living God. I'm giving you a secret to swap my, my understanding away. I get some of my revelations from. There's no secret about that. I'm not a Pharisee. Everything I know, I want you to know. Do you understand? You can afford to buy that book and study the commentaries very well. You're going to find treasures in that book. It's not all book that you need. It's not all Bibles that you need as well. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. So if you study, I know as much as I know. I won't spend my time coming to teach you. I'll go to other places and teach. Is that not okay? Aha. Uh-huh. So go buy the books that I'm using. Get to my library. They're open. I don't have any secret, no secret agenda, no Pharisee business here. It's all open. Hallelujah. Okay, now. These are the three dimensions to which the Pharisees believe what Abraham goes and stands for. And now, you see, I don't know. If ever you take time to follow up my brethren, the evangelical who uses this part to teach about here, I don't know what they really explain about Abraham's bosom. Do they have an understanding about that? I think they are emphasizing more on the issue of hell, what the lives of suffered and all that, and the, I mean, the rich man. They don't speak more about Abraham's bosom. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. I remember sometimes one of them was saying that this guy was used to begging that when he died, he was taken to a place again where he can become beggar. That's why he was in Abraham's bosom. What an ignorance. The feel Abraham bosom means a low place. You don't understand that? But that is not true. Let's find out what Abraham bosom is. And when they talked of that, that the Pharisees, they would say, this day he sees in Abraham's bosom. You don't understand this. Now, when the Pharisees are talking about people who died, if somebody passed on, they would say, this man is sitting, he has gone to sit in Abraham's bosom. So they understood what Abraham's bosom was all about. And so Jesus was talking about the rich man, I mean the, the, the poor man or the beggar that was taken to Abraham's bosom. What do you think we definitely come to the mind of the Pharisees? They feel this man has gone to the place of blessing. Do you understand that? That's why I'm telling you that they knew what Jesus was talking about. It is you that didn't know. It is my brother, the evangelical, that didn't know. It is the pastor that didn't know. But they knew. Jesus was using what they know in teaching what he wanted to teach. He was passing out an information which already they understood. So when they said, and Jesus, those who believe in Abraham, they know what it means. And Jesus came and said, a rich man died and was buried. And a poor man died and was taken to Abraham's bosom. That will first struck them. How come the beggar is taken to the place where we are supposed to go? Do you understand this? Now you take this story and take it with the one of Mark chapter 9. And you just didn't be able to understand what Jesus was dealing with. He was really attacking the Pharisees to the call. Praise the Lord. Let's move on now. So for Jesus to say that, the beggar was in Abraham's bosom. While the rich man was buried, the Pharisees would understand this to mean that the beggar will enjoy the blissfulness of Eden life state while they will be rejected and buried. Did you understand that? It's so simple. It's so simple and straightforward. They knew what Jesus was talking about. I 
don't know how I can get my brethren to understand this thing so that we stop pushing things that God is not giving unto us. What we give into the church is poison. We are feeding them with poison. We are feeding them with trashes. We are feeding them with rubbish. Praise the Lord. Abraham bosom is usually a figurative expression meaning heaven as a blissful and eternal abode of the saved. That is what it actually stands for ultimately. It's a symbolic expression. It's not a geographical location. Are you see here? It's not talking of a place you can go to. It's not talking of a place you'll be taken to uh, for one reason or the other. Praise the living God. So let us understand the fact. Amen? It's, it's a symbolic expression dealing with a blissful state of a heavenly realm. Hallelujah. An Eden-like state. That is a kind of condition of rest and peace and joy. That is what Abraham Bosom stands for. Now, it simply means to be in favor and in the place of honor of Abraham. When you say somebody is in Abraham Bosom, you mean the person is favored, you mean the person is honored, you mean the person is dignified. Hallelujah. Now let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever used that word or heard somebody say, his or she is my bosom friend? Have you said that before? What does it mean? It means he's standing on, sitting under you. Your friend is under you. He's under your table. It means the closest person to you. It's the nearest person to you. Now, when you talk of Abraham bosom, I don't know if I'm going to illustrate this now. Okay, let me see, go on. He said, the picture is this. When the Jews sit down, please get me this. Let me help us a little bit. When the Jews wants to eat, like when I'm talking about the Lost Supper, okay? Get it here, get it here for yourself. Now, it's not supposed to be a long table. Stay here. Let's put it there. Okay. Now you see them here. You see? This is supposed to be a very long table. Do you understand that? Okay. We want to eat now. Let it me. I'm the host. I'm the one that, you know, prepared and rest of those things. Do you understand that? Take the case of uh, Jesus Christ and the twelve disciples in the Lord's Supper. Are you understanding that? Okay. Now, the nearest person to me eh, is in my bosom. Do you understand it now? Now, if anybody wants to get any information from me, they will ask him. Because they can tell him, ask him, what does he want us to do? Or whatever he's doing. I can easily communicate to him, and he communicates to other people. So the nearest person to me, as we sit on the table to dine, is where? Is in my bosom. Are you understanding this now? Okay, so when Lazarus is in Abraham's bosom, it means Lazarus becomes the nearest person to who? To Abraham. Did you understand this? Okay. Praise the Lord. So that we don't confuse these languages with our common English. Even the common English that is not bring it out clearly, yet we use it that way. Praise the living God. You following this now? So later you find that when you go to the book of uh, John chapter 13, you're going to find the same picture painted there. The nearest person to Jesus Christ was John the Beloved. So John the Beloved was in Abraham's bosom. Anytime they wanted to find out something from Jesus, 
they want to, I mean, Jesus' bosom. Anytime they want to find out something from Jesus, they want to ask through who? John. Praise the Lord. Now, we are on my now. In Jesus' days, the man sitting, hello? the man sitting in a reclining position to the host in the table is said to be in his bosom. See the story of the Lost Supper in John 13, verse 23. Look at that place, verse 23 of John 13. Let's see. John 13, verse 23. Um, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples. Whom Jesus loved. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. He was, there was one. Did you see that in your Bible? Praise the living God. There was this man that was leaning in Jesus' bosom. So, first of all, you find that Jesus has a bosom. Abraham has a bosom. Are you getting the picture now? Alright. So, that is what he used to be. And that is his, the, 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 the meaning. So when we say somebody is another man's bosom, I mean the person's nearest to his heart, his dearest person to his heart, he can get information, he can get secret, he can get relevant things that you do not have. It's like saying you can get those information and pass across to other people. You are closer to the individual. Praise the living God. Is it clear? Okay. So we say how John, how that John was in the bosom of Jesus. Now, and so in, in John chapter 1 verse 18, we are told Jesus is at the bosom of the Father. John 1 18. Check your Bible. Did you find that there? Okay. Jesus was at the bosom of the Father. It means Jesus was nearest to the heart of God. He knows the mind of God. He knows the will of God. He knows the thoughts of God. He knows the desires of God. Are you following it? Praise the living God. Okay. So Jesus was the bosom of the Father. Meaning, He is nearest to the Father's heart. And in His favor. Now, to the Jews, Abraham is their word. Good. I'm bringing you to some place now. Look at it. John chapter 8 verse 39. Please turn over there. John 8 verse 39 The answer and said unto him Abraham is our father Jesus said unto them If you were Abraham's children You would do the works of who? Of Abraham Look at that Now that tells you something For Jesus to say Now they believe Abraham is your father And you know what it means to be in Abraham's father I mean bosom now here Jesus is saying that a beggar was going to be in Abraham's bosom. That means a beggar was going to be in the bosom of who? Of their father. Are you listening to this? Praise the living God. And you know how that can be so annoying. You know how that could mean to them a cherished hope being taken away. You know how that could mean to them that Jesus is trying to promote some other people to replace them. Every language of Jesus qualified him to be killed by the Pharisees. Do you understand this? 
Praise the living God. Because they've already believed that Abraham is their father. And they cherish Abraham. This, whatever did Abraham says? They are not even interested in Moses. You know they don't believe in the Lord of Moses. Abraham is their father. It's Abraham that they after. And Jesus now said, Lazarus shall be in the bosom of Abraham. Hallelujah. Now, when you take Abraham as your father, it's ultimately going towards the issue of being God. If Jesus said he's in the bosom of the father, he was also trying to make them understand, I'm in the bosom of who? Of Abraham. Did you understand it? I'm in the bosom of Abraham. You're just looking at me. You're just trying to reject me. I'm in the bosom of Abraham. Hallelujah. That is where I'm going to be. Even though you reject me. Like I made you to understand, that was because, listen, he took the name Lazarus. Why did he take the name Lazarus? Why did he choose? That's one of the things that confused my brethren. To say that this is actually a true story because a specific name or a noun, whatever, is used. And that is Lazarus. But why did Jesus choose the word Lazarus and the other one rich man? He should have used the rich man to give a name to that man. But he chose Lazarus for this one reason. He had just raised Lazarus from the grave. Okay? Which symbolizes his own what? Resurrection. That is why if you look at that Luke 16 and the last two verses, Ali was saying, no, Father, even if Lazarus, I mean, even if okay, Lazarus is sent from the grave, do you understand that? They will not see the word, believe. They have Moses and the prophet or the law. Let them read. So he was making reference to himself that even if I come out of the grave at the end of the day, after revelation, they will still not believe in me. So he used the word Lazarus to symbolize in himself who is going to come out of what? Out of the grave. So in the true sense of him, he was saying that I'm going to be the one to be in, in Abraham's bosom. The place he cherished so much, that is where I'm going to be. May your own state of glory and popularity shall be what? Buried. Praise the living God. Is anybody understanding something now? Alright. So he's simply saying that he has all the privileges of enjoying heavenly bliss of Abraham's bosom, though rejected by them. He also, he also be what? The beggar Lazarus. That is Jesus now. Praise the living God. Are you there? Okay. So now when we read, and I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob representing the blessing of the covenant of the fathers in the kingdom of heaven that is Matthew chapter 11 and chapter 8 verse 11 it is that Lazarus the poor beggar shall be taken and seated in a banqueting table with father Abraham in another life Praise the Lord. Did you get that from Matthew chapter 8 verse 11? He was speaking to them and said, People shall come from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south. And they shall sit together with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of God. Now when he got to verse 12, he now said, But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into what? Out of darkness. Now those two verses that we just explain to you what we're talking about. Who are the people that are going to be coming from the east, from the west, from the north, from the south? They are the Gentile nations. Did you get that now? In other words, they are eventually going to come and begin to inherit the glory, the kingdom, the 
account of who? Of Abraham. That's just it. That is just it. That is what it means to sit with Abraham in his kingdom. In other words, Abraham said in his kingdom without the glory and the riches of the kingdom, we Gentile nations, we are not going to sit together with him. Now, there is a kind of reverse of order. Those who are supposed to be there have been driven out. You get that? And we have been brought in to inherit and to enjoy those things that they were supposed to be enjoying before. All because we believe in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm sure he explained to you what I'm saying. Okay. What we are seeing here is that the death of the beggar means what? Translation of the Gentile nations. The publicans and sinners into the kingdom of God's dear son. Where there is neither male nor female, no Jew nor Gentile. But all are now one in Christ who enjoy what? The riches of God's glory in the face of Christ. Hallelujah. Is it plain to us? Amen. Jesus was only trying to paint a picture that after my death and resurrection, these people whom we are looking at or looking down upon, they are going to be translated into the place of glory. Through their faith in me, they are going to come into a higher realm of glory. They are going to come into the place of blessing and abundance. And the riches of Christ that I bear, I carry, which manifest through the covenant of Abraham. Praise the living God. Amen. Now, this is the meaning of Abraham's bosom. Since Abraham is the father of the faithful, it simply means that the common people and the Gentiles will accept Christianity and become Christian nations that they might enjoy the blessings of the Christian faith. That is a summary of being in Abraham's bosom. And that is exactly what Jesus was trying to make them understand. Praise the living God. To a large degree, they did understood. Because like I said before, they understood what Abraham's bosom stood for. The Pharisees in particular. They did understood. Amen? Praise the Lord. Alright. But for you and I, Without diligent study, we'll never be able to understand what we're talking about. We take it as one of the stories in the Bible. We take it as what is going to be happening on the other side. Or we drop the curtains. And things like that. But far be it, that is not what Jesus was speaking for. And that's what he was talking about. It was a present reality. And part of what Jesus spoke about is already in fulfillment. Because we find a lot of Gentile nations coming now into the kingdom. And so many are not even taking the message of the kingdom and taking it back to the people that were supposed to have it in the very beginning. And we said, because these people shall be cast out. We know millions of them were killed. You know, the Jews, I mean. Praise the living God. And that is what Jesus was actually talking about when he said, they shall be cast into outer darkness. They shall be wailing at gnashing of teeth. Praise the Lord. Let's move on. Now, by implication, the Gentile nations and the common people died to their former poor condition and were lifted into the place of glory by reason of their faith in who? In Christ. Is it clear to us? You can only die to one level of life. You can die to poverty. You become rich. Hallelujah. I say hallelujah. You see, the Bible is talking about you dead to 
to see. You died to something. Nothing. You no longer have effect in your life anymore. Dead to sin doesn't mean somebody is buried. Hallelujah. You see, the trouble is the language of the Bible. We find it difficult to piece them together. And that is the greatest problem we are having because of our mental understanding theologically of what God is saying. That is the trouble we are having. That is the trouble that the church is passing through. And that is why we keep on passing on the same kind of information that have no relevance to what God has in mind. And that is why the church cannot go beyond the level that we are. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Okay. Pray God helps us. Now remember Lazarus was not buried. But carried into Abraham's bosom. But the rich man was what? Was buried. Did you get that? Taking from one level of life to what? Another level of life. Send for this ministry angels to harvest. The harvest of the end time. God says. So the last ones have been buried. I mean have been carried into Abraham's bosom. And can I tell you that you are one or a part of the last ones company? Hallelujah. You are a part of the last ones company. You have been carried into Abraham's bosom. You are receiving a new status. In terms of society, you are receiving a new status. Do you understand that? But those who have been looked down upon have been raised into a dignified position to enjoy the blessedness of heaven and inheritance that was in the covenant of Abraham. But to those that pertain to those riches and covenant, the Bible tells us they have been shut out by reason of the blindness that is in their eyes. Praise the living God, somebody. Amen. Tell that guy to wake up there with discussing Abraham's covenant. Praise the Lord. Now, let's move on a little bit. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. In hell, in Hades, in the grave. Hallelujah. Lifted up his eyes. Let's begin to break down this verse. This is an imagery like you can find in Isaiah 14 verse 9 to 11. Talking about the destruction and lowering of the king of Babylon from the place of glory to that of the lowest and least considered position. I would like us to look at that place. I have a message on lift up the eyes. I'm going to share on it as the Spirit leads, God permitting, and giving the grace. What it means to lift up the eyes. <laughs> Sometimes we talk about lifting up the eyes. We don't seem to have understanding. Lift up your eyes, oh your gate, and let the King of Glory come in. But we don't understand what we're talking about. So because he said it. Look at that. Are you there? In, um, Isaiah 14. Let's look at verse 9 to 11. Thank you. Hell from beneath is moved. For thee to meet thee I thy coming. He set up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth. It are raised up from their throne. All the kings of the nations. All they shall speak and say unto thee, Are thou also become weak as we? Please listen to this. 
Hallelujah. Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp, thy pride, is brought down to the grave. Hear this. And the noise of the violence. Praise the living God. The worms is spread under thee. And the worms cover thee. Now can I say something here? Who do you think the Lord is addressing here? This is a ding. That was composed. A kind of a song that was composed for the king of Babylon. If you want to understand Isaiah chapter 14. You must go back to Isaiah chapter 13. But you know this is a common thing. will be used to teach about Lucifer. And the vow that is mentioned. That means that Lucifer was an archangel. Was playing. If I said he was a choir master in heaven. What a stupid thing. Hallelujah. He was a choir master in heaven who decided to usurp the throne of God and throw it down. He wanted to throw God down and then go throw him down. That's what I was told when I was young. What the Lord is saying here is this. When you see the violin there, that instrument of music, does anybody have the... There's um, one other translation. Good news translation. Anybody with good news? Just good news, not living Bible. Good news, nobody has it. Take time to read from the good news. It's a little bit plain on there. What this man is saying here, how many of you remember what used to happen to King Saul? What was David doing when King Saul gets mad? He played the instrument for him. Do you understand that? What is the picture being painted here by the Holy Spirit is this King Nebuchadnezzar in his palace, instrument of music, all people were there. Are you following what I'm talking about now? He said that you are going to be brought down. Listen to verse 9 down 10 there. Look at verse 9. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. He stirred up the dead for thee. Listen to that. Even all the chief ones of the earth, it have raised up from their throne all the kings of what? Of the nations. What he's saying here is, God is raising kings to deal with King Nebuchadnezzar. And that is why I was asking the question, have you also become like one of us? So that your glory has been taken away. You no longer have the pride that you used to have. When he said the worms have covered it, I don't know if you can remember one. Why is one? Shame. Your pride has been replaced with what? With shame. That is just what he's talking about. It's not dealing with any Lucifer out there in the sky. Praise the living God. God will help us. Let's move on. We said this an image like you can find in Isaiah 49 to 11, talking about the destruction and the lowering of the king of Babylon from the place of glory to that of the lowest, least considered position. Hell from beneath is moved for thee, to make thee other coming. He set out the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. He raised up from their thrones or the kings of the nations. Speaking of other nations, thou we were to move and prevail against Babylon. Please compare Judges chapter 9 and then 7 to 15. Now to the Jews then, they were in Hades. What they say Hades now? The realm of the dead among the nations to which they were being what? Scattered. Praise the Lord. 
said disperse or dispossess of the lands. Hallelujah. Your city captured with your temple destroyed and about six million of them destroyed was actually held to them. Hallelujah. I wanted to picture this. Hitler did a good job on this. We call him a devil. God knows what he did. Find it difficult to understand who the devil is these days. Looking at the things and the plans of God. Amen. Pardon me. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Now, you can imagine what happened to these people. Those who are supposed to be in place of dominion with power and glory, they are the same people that Hitler was hitting. They were being mocked all over the place. What about they find them? In fact, I think in America, there was a time that certain place got burnt. I can't remember the story very well. And they said the Jews were responsible. Anytime there was a major crime anywhere, they say it's a Jewish person. They were being haunted all over. They were ready in hell. And they lifted up their eyes. That from that realm, they begin to see the Gentile nation to which they were supposed to be dominating, enjoying peace while they were suffering. Do you understand what I'm saying? As they lifted up their eyes in that realm of existence, not in one grave, not in somewhere where they were buried somewhere. They were alive to see what was happening to other nations and what is happening to them. They saw the difference. In hell, they lifted up and they saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. They saw the Gentile nation. They saw you and I. They saw Jesus Christ. They saw those who could not believe enjoying the glory, the blessedness, the fruit of the Spirit, enjoying the gift of the Spirit. You speaking in tongues. Something I cannot attend to because they can't believe into Christ. Are you still there with me? Hallelujah. So they lifted up their hand and they began to see all these things. Can you imagine the temple? When the Roman soldiers came into Jerusalem, you can picture what happened. Blood flew. Blood was flowing. If by the time they finished, how many of you were here when we were studying Matthew 24? When, when they finished the destruction of the temple, they started digging. They wanted to dig out because they felt that the whole foundation of the story, the how the foundation of the temple was laid with gold. So they were digging for the gold. That's why Jesus said, No stone shall be left upon one another. So all the Romans, they dig out every foundation there. Nothing like a temple anymore. And you can imagine a Jewish person existing without a temple. His own is finished. Because that is where their glory, that's where their power is. Hallelujah. When they killed to the point, people ran down to the, to the, to the most holy place and grabbed the horns of the altar. They still went there to butcher them. It is you that understand what hung me to the Gentile, they don't know. Hallelujah. God will help us. Hmm. Now, and it was from this realm they could see other nations. That's here now. Who embraced Christianity, receiving the blessings of who? Of Abraham. All efforts to date to bless the Jews with Christianity have proved abortive. The condition the Jews have found themselves for rejecting the Lord amounts 
to their being what? In torment. Bazanos from the Greek. You can look at Mighty chapter 4, verse 24. Which actually means distressed. Hallelujah. Udinamai. To be distressed in the Greek. Amen. It means sorrow. And I want you to understand and see where these people are coming from and what they are going to passing through. They are in sorrow, they are in distress among other nations. The word personalized also means to try by the proving stone. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the living stone, or I am a stone, or I am a rock. If, I, if you fall upon me, I break you to pieces. If I fall upon you, what I do? I ground you to powder. And that word, torment there, is basanizo, which means to try by the proving stone. Hallelujah. Now, what have the Jews done in relation to their loyalty to Jesus Christ? He fell on him, he broke them to pieces. And he's falling on them and he's grounding them to powder and scattering them among the nations. Hallelujah. Praise the living God. Now the word Basanism, like we said, also means tried by the proving stone. One thing is certain. The Jews will not come out of this condition until the fullness of the Gentiles be what? Be coming. And all Israel shall be what? Shall be saved. Romans 11, 25 26. They can't come out of it. There was a time God spoke to Abraham talking about the iniquities of the Amorites. Can you remember that? Hallelujah. I'll say hallelujah. Let me say something today. Listen to me. There is a law called for God. Okay? And one thing God does is a just God. When you talk about the fullness of the iniquity of the Amorites, it is more people will cry unto God because of the sins and the commitment, I mean, the iniquity they were committed. And God will always come down in vengeance when the cry of these people get back to God. Praise the living God. That's why I say vengeance is what? Is mine. And anytime he's coming with vengeance, he deals with the whole city, he deals with the whole nation. I want you to understand something. Why am I telling you this? Sometimes before you cry to God, like in this country, sometimes we cry to God that God you come and help us. If God is actually going to come and help us in that dimension, there are a lot of people that will die. But it's all because of your cry. When iniquity amounts to heaven, God comes down and it comes down for destruction. Does anybody understand what I'm trying to say? So when we pray, let us know what we are praying for. There's a difference between asking for mercy and asking for vengeance because of iniquity. I don't know if you are following what I'm saying. Abraham was asking for mercy for Sodom and what? And Gomorrah. Do you understand that? Okay. But when you remember what happened in Egypt? When the Bible says, God has seen what? Good of his people. When he came down, was that a joke? Please, when you pray, know what you are praying about. So that even your children may not be involved. Because God can really come with vengeance. There's a place for mercy. There's a place for going to the court of God and say, God, come and do justice to this matter. And God will do it. 
So we are talking about the fullness of the Gentiles becoming before Israel shall be what? Shall be saved. Praise the living God. Okay. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, that is verse 25, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and say, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Now this is one of the major places that is fully emphasized by my brethren. And sometimes I will tell you, say hell is a very, how do you put it, a hopeless, it's a hopeless place. That you, you see, this woman, this man was requesting for uh, a drop of water. That shows how hopeless the thing is. But it wasn't hopeless. He still knew what he was doing. He could still talk. He could still ask for, for water. He didn't want a drum. He wanted tip. I knew what was enough for him. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now let's let's try to pick up one or two things here. Here you find the Jews looking for help from very nations they have looked down upon before the change of position. Is it clear? Praise the living God. Are you following the story now? Alright. If Lazarus they are asking for, please Lazarus, Abraham, send Lazarus. Let him come and help us. Now, what do you think is the help that the Jews are supposed to be asking for? Can anybody tell me from what you are considering? What kind of help do you think the Jews should be looking for? Salvation. It's a gospel. That's what they are looking for. It's salvation they are crying for. Because your eyes are blinded. They can't believe into the salvation of Christ. They still reject him. It's salvation they should be asking for. Hallelujah. Are you understanding this? It, that's what they are looking for. They are not looking for any blessing. Jewish people in the natural speaking, they are wealthy. Because of the covenant of tithing that you enter with Abraham. The average Jew is a wealthy man. They don't play with that. And God is still functioning along that line because his word. <laughs> and his gift are without repentance as well. Hallelujah. And you fulfill his word unto generations. He's still working because they are performing it. It's just God's word. Hallelujah. But what do you think these people are looking for? They are looking for salvation. They are not saved. Hallelujah. How many of you take time to watch, uh, I don't know what they call it. Those used to be minister of religion or minister of something. Minister of life. Okay. You used to see, uh, see Abino, what do you call that guy? Uh-huh. He's a Judas. When he's talking, you... <laughs> Was it two days ago, I think, when my wife would caught up with them on the television where they were having their program on uh, divination or something like that. Oh, yeah, chief. Uh-huh. You understand what I'm trying to say? Think about that. You can talk about Jesus Christ to them, talk about Yeshua, and then even then, they are waiting for the real Yeshua to come. That is not the other man. Everything is still on Judaism and whatever they are practicing. Do you understand this? Praise the living God. Okay, so what do you think they should be looking for? They are talking about salvation. They are not talking about some H2O type of thing. In fact, it would be strange for the average believer or average Christian to imagine that when you talk about water in the Bible, they will be talking of H2O. It is funny. Hallelujah. Isn't this strange? Preachers to be thinking at this stage of the word of God that when you see water, you are talking of river or whatever. Oh no. Hallelujah. Now, we know that finger speaks of the power of God and the Holy Ghost as revealed in 
But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God is come upon you. Look 11 to 20. What did he call the finger of God? The finger of God is the Holy Spirit. You find that in Matthew chapter 12 verse 28. If I cast out devil with the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come unto you. The finger of God is the same thing as what? The Holy Spirit. As I said, Lazarus, let him dig his finger. He's just saying the same thing. Hallelujah. You understand this? Okay. Let's move on then. If that is clear to you. If you even if I, if you look at Exodus chapter 8, verse 19, you are going to see the same thing. Pharaoh. When God started doing signs and wonders and he said, ah, 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 no. This must be what? The finger of God. So what is finger? Mention finger and people think he's talking of finger. He said, don't take up. Go and dip finger. He's looking at a five, five finger and then Lazarus, you use one to go and dip water. I can't look. I don't understand. God will have to help us ministers. Say this is the finger of God. By implication, these rich men have come to see that the Gentile nations are actually experiencing the power and the glory of God. Let me share part of the glory. Let me begin to receive part of the glory from them. They have the power, they have the glory, they have the riches. For as many as believe, they get power to become what? The sons of God. And we think it's your chemical composition of H2O. Very sorry. Okay. Praise the Lord. So we talk about the power of the kingdom. And we talk about the finger. What aspects of the Holy Spirit that we also know? Hallelujah. That only believers can do what? Can receive. John 7, 37 to 39. What did he say? The Bible talks about the day of the feast of tabernacles. What did Jesus say? Say as many as believe, out of their belly shall do what? Flow rivers of living water. Why do we not think that Jesus was describing literal history? Amen? So they were just looking for a dispensation or a release of the Holy Spirit. That's what they were asking for. The power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what they were looking for. That's what they were asking Lazarus to bring to them from the bosom of Abraham. Praise the living God. Are you following it? Alright. Now, let's look at another thing. Uh, where did I stop there? Okay. After the abyss of the rivers of living water. Now, bear speak of the spirit. Okay. Now, as for the tongue, it is described as a fire, a wall of iniquity. In James chapter 3, that is James 3, please. Praise the living God. In James chapter 3, the Bible says, Am I correct? As for the tongue, it is described as a fire of work of iniquity, that set it on fire the cause of nation, 
and it is set on fire of hell. Can we look at James, please? And then you see what I mean there. James 3, verse 6. Praise the Lord. Oh, where is James here? Okay. James 3, verse 6. Are you there with me? Into the cup of what? His indignation. That's judgment. That's the blood. 
The blood calls for judgment. The blood calls for cleansing. It calls for peace. It depends on how you are applying the blood. Let this blood be on us and our children. And the blood begin to walk. And the blood begin to be released as judgment upon them. Do you think that it was time for them to say, please, come and cool our tongue? Let's change our confession. That's what they were trying to say. And the Bible says, no man can call upon the name of the Lord except by what? By the Holy Spirit. Put it down for me. Are you getting what I'm talking about? No man. There is no way they can become saved unless they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no man can call upon the name of the Lord except by the Holy Ghost. So let her dig her finger upon this foot and cool my tongue. Let me receive salvation and confess that Jesus is Lord. For at the name of Jesus, all kneel must bow, and all tongue must confess that what? Jesus is Lord. That is what they were looking for, people of God. That is what Jesus is telling them. That is what we are going to do. You are rejecting me, but you are going to beg for my salvation. Hallelujah. And we think they were talking about going to get pure water to cool somebody's tongue in a flame of fire. You see, you see how we have fooled ourselves as Christians. We believe all kinds of things. Maybe because one big man is preaching it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Television is good, but it's very corrupting. And I don't care who is showing his face there. Do you understand this? It's very corrupting. It was one of these last ones where I just accidentally got and see somebody arranging babies. And and devil and all that. Eh? Plastic toys and devil is here. This one we shoot, this one we shoot. Hallelujah. The teaching spiritual warfare. God will help us. Call my tongue. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? Some of us need our tongue to be warm, to be cooled. We need the Holy Spirit to cool our tongues. We need the Holy Spirit to cool our tongues. Praise the living God. Now, what are the Jews crying for? Hallelujah. A little drop of the gospel of the kingdom. Instead of the full power of the gospel unto salvation. How many of you understand that? What did the Bible talk about? It said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation. He said, give us a little. You see, they don't even want a full gospel. Just give us a little. There's the power of God unto salvation, the full gospel. That's what they are looking for. Gospel with power, demonstration of power of the Holy Spirit. That is what the Jews were crying for. That is what the Jews are crying for. That is what those who have not received the gospel are crying for. They may not tell you, but that's what they need. Hallelujah. Do you understand? Okay. Praise the living God. They want help from God, but reject His Son. Hmm? Even the Holy Spirit that can help them change them from their belief, I mean, hellish condition, because of the use of what? Their tongue to deride Jesus. 
Luke 16 verse 14. Which means to snare and ridicule and scoff at Jesus and the other nations when they were what? In power. That is just the issue. They were mocking at them. Can you? Oh no. You know, look at the disciples of Jesus. They met with Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman. And that is his own disciples. The woman at the well. Can you imagine the picture they painted? Ah, can this man be talking to a Samaritan? Do you understand that? They are like an outcast. They are like people that can never be touched at all. They are not God's products. of Israel. You know that? But we are dealing with Judah now. Judah were the people making them feel very what? Inferior. You see, you see the picture there? They were supposed to be brethren. That is what Solomon called Solomon's son. Remember that? Remember? After the division of the kingdom. The other two tribes didn't see the other people to be anything at all. Are you hearing me? They will be the one to crawl 